So we're talking about prayer today, but let's start by actually doing it. Uh, if you would, would you please pray with me? God of grace, God of mercy, God of surprises and confusion and questions, God of terrible times and great times, be with us this day. Open our hearts and our minds, gird our souls, support us in whatever happens to our bodies. Help the words of our mouths, the meditations of our hearts, and the movement of ourselves to be of you, towards you, for you. And in the times and places where it's not, where we mess up, where we hurt each other or ourselves, help us to start again tomorrow, as you are always a God of second chances. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I want to start with a little quiz, uh, but there's no bad consequence if you don't get it right. Um, so the Pew Forum, if you're ever interested in religious practice and religious habits in the United States, the Pew Forum has some of the best data out there. They do some really good research on what Americans are doing in terms of their religion, in terms of their faith, in terms of their spirituality. So ha what percentage of Americans, of all ages, all races, all occupations, what percentage of Americans would you say, say they pray every day, every day? What percentage? 82. That is, Troy has a lot of faith in the people of America. <laughs> 35. Okay. 5%? Okay. All right. Sanjay's like, no one's praying every day. <laughs> that is not, not real. Not, not true. Okay. Praying every day. 10? All right. Where are we at? Okay. So I'm going to do an over-under. Raise your hand if you think it's under 50%. Okay. Raise your hand if you think it's over 50%. And you all have it. 55% of people say that they pray every day. Yes. Oh, I, lying may be a strong word. <laughs> Not accurately assessing their own behavior, possibly, right? Possibly. Self-reporting is a tricky statistical mechanism. <laughs> we can all agree. So 55% of Americans say that they pray every day. And if you bring it up to either every week or every month, people who pray regularly versus people who say that they pray seldom or never, that gets up to about 77%. 77% of Americans say that they are praying sometimes, right, on occasion. That raises a bunch of attendant questions, like what do people mean by prayer? How do they feel when they pray? Um, some of the things that I found really interesting about the follow-ups, uh, within the United States, black people play, pray more than people of other races. Women pray more than men. Older people pray more than younger people. Um, there are a couple of demographic trends like that. Uh, which I think is interesting in terms of uh, stereotypically we do, right, like people with more hardship tend to be more religious and tend to pray more is like something that we could say about our country. Um, in terms of what people are getting out of prayer, one of the things that people report a lot, uh, people who pray more frequently have frequent senses of wonder about the universe was one of the questions that I found really interesting. But that's also true so people frequently have senses of wonder about the universe if they don't pray at all or if they pray a lot. But if they pray a little bit, <laughs> they less frequently have senses of wonder about the universe. thought that was interesting. And then there was only one thing that really was correlated with prayer all across the board, where the more you pray, the more you have of this, the less you pray, the less you have of this. And that was um, a sense of spiritual well-being and peace, that more prayer is correlated with more frequently feeling a sense of spiritual well-being and peace. Now, 
some of us would say that when we pray more often, we do more often feel a, a sense of spiritual well-being and peace. Some of us wouldn't. But for those of us who do, I think then there's a question of uh, why, why do we not believe the people who say that they're praying every day? <laughs> um, if, if a lot of us feel like that seems hard or unlikely or rare, but we also do sort of have an instinct that there's something to be gained from prayer, that one might find peace in prayer, that one might find well-being in prayer. What are the barriers? What are the barriers between us and prayer? And I found a lot of different ones as I talked to folks, but I, I want us to actually talk about that right now. Um, if you hate talking to people, don't worry about it. You can sit quietly during this time. No one will harass you. Um, but if you would, I would invite you to talk to a neighbor about um, two things. One is, what are some reasons that you don't pray if you want to? What are some things that get in your way? Whether it's like schedule, I feel weird, it's, it's funny, right? Um, or if you don't want to pray, what are some of the reasons you don't or questions that you have about it? So often some of the questions people have, right, is like, what is it actually doing? <laughs> How do I have confidence? Um, what does it mean to do it right? So turn to a friend and talk a little bit about some reasons why you personally or other folks might not pray. Either suspicions you have about it, questions you have about it, structural barriers, uh, anything. So turn to a buddy. Start talking. Yeah, so uh, my favorite, so one of the things I thought was interesting about this, a lot of people ask me if they can meditate. Uh, meditation is just praying where you listen instead of talk. Meditation is great, meditation is wonderful. Um, this, this survey showed that people who, um, people who pray also meditate. The two are highly, highly correlated, right? Doing both of the things. One of the things that I love about my meditation practice um, that I started in seminary, the Buddha had a phrase for that called monkey mind, which is where your mind starts to jump around from branch to branch and tree to tree when you're trying to meditate and trying to like be one with the universe and like know God, where your mind is just like blah, 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 friends, dinner, things, colors, shapes, um, which I think many of us experience. What are some of the other barriers? Yeah, yeah, being tired, being exhausted, right? We're going to talk about this in a minute, but the disciples fall asleep when they're trying to pray. That's a big thing. Yeah. It's going to be on. So you, so you have to go for something that will numb the feeling, and prayer won't numb it. Yeah, yeah. So this is this angry at like people and circumstances, or is this anger at God? Okay, angry at person. Angry at person. Okay, okay. Well, lots of people have a lot of reasons to be angry at God. But when you're mad at people, that's when it feels like prayer is dangerous. Because may, you may then become the psalmist who is like, I hope that my enemy's heads be dashed against the rocks, right? Like, that's the kind of prayer that would come out of you. Okay. Yes.
Thank you for that. And that is really, really important. There are times when part of meditation or prayer is getting used to quiet time and time with ourselves. There are times when ourselves is not a very safe person for us to be with, right? Like, um, and those are real times. And one of the things that a lot of modern Protestant and evangelical communities have lost is the wisdom of our Jewish and Catholic cousins who have many written and memorized prayers that one can rely on in those times when your own words either won't come or wouldn't be good words. <laughs> I, that is really, really wise. And I would recommend to everybody, if you've never tried it before, try some pre-written prayers that you simply read over in the morning or in the evening where you don't have to come up with it yourself. It can, it can form a different community and praying in community, either in a worshiping community or in a group. Right. Yeah. <clears throat> And this is a really good segue to some of the questions that we have about prayer, because I think that is such a wise thing that you're doing. But it also, um, one of the questions sometimes people ask about prayer is, if God knows everything about us, why am I taking this time to tell God what's up? Like, does, doesn't God already know, right? Like, why am I telling God things that God is already aware of? Uh, what are some of the other questions you have or concerns? Yeah. There's a real double-edged sword to both widening the prayer circle and to praying for things. 
on the positive side, right, that's a deep intimacy with God, that we believe that God cares about all of our desires and all of the nature of our life. On the other hand, uh, we don't get everything that we want, <laughs> and the world doesn't get everything that should be, everything that is just, everything that is good. And so then how do we think about prayer if we're praying for things that never happen, <laughs> either things we really wanted or things that would be good for the world? Are there other big questions that are, yeah. Mm. Um, and it's so like, you know, if I say I really want to serve the, you know, what's called earth and village, then like the devil hears that and he'll be able to just keep me away. But if I just do my own thing and find the what's called earth and village, then like I won't have the devil in my world. Huh. Or I don't want my parents to get sick. Now the devil knows. Or if like if I I'll say something like, Man, I'll never survive if yeah. my mom had knows how to get to you. Oh my gosh. That's so hard. That, that's a feature of many of our cultures, right? Many of the cultures that we come from don't say the baby's name for the first 40 days or the first year because then forces will come after them. You know, like that, a lot of, some people are looking shocked, but some of us know, right? We come from cultural backgrounds where these are things. Don't say out loud the things you want or the things that are good because some force will come and take them away. Um, that's a really hard way to think about your relationship with God. And that, in the end, is how I'm going to invite us to think about prayer. Um, for all of the questions about unanswered prayers, painful prayers, terrible things, um, I think of prayer as whatever is a direct and intentional communication with God. And so sometimes that happens when we are quiet and we are listening. Sometimes that happens when we use our words. Sometimes that happens when we use the words of others. But that direct and intentional communication with God. And what I love about this scriptural passage, um, as hard and complicated as it is, this time when Jesus goes up to the mountain before he's about to die to pray, take this cup from me, is that to me this scripture passage involves some of our worst fears about prayer, like all put into one place. Some of the hardest things to imagine about what prayer is and what it could be, all in one place. When I was a, uh, when I first converted to Christianity, I had lots and lots of questions about prayer. Um, I also sort of at that point thought that there was like one right way to do everything. So I was in some sense searching for answers that were never going to come. But I had real questions about the role of prayer in my life. And I would sort of bounce between real life experiences that I had had. And one was when I prayed, I felt different. Like I just feel different as a person when I pray. I feel more open to the world. I feel a little more centered. When I'm praying more regularly, I feel different. And so I knew that. That was like a, like a data point, right, that I could fix myself in. I also knew really incredible things that had happened when people did exactly what you said, when they invited a circle of prayer um, and they prayed for something that they needed in their life, right? That they had been laid off and they needed a new job or that their child was sick and they needed that not to, to not be anymore and they needed healing. I knew people who had experienced miracles in prayer. Um, I knew someone who had, had been desperate for money, like wasn't going to pay rent, and $500 showed up in their mailbox the next day after they prayed, right? That was a data point. But then there was this other, this other data point, which was all of the things that I and people I knew had prayed for 
that were good and godly and that hadn't happened for us. And for me particularly, at that time in my life, I was doing a lot of volunteering um, with sexual assault survivors in emergency rooms. And every time someone at a church would say during a sermon or, you know, well-meaningly, like lovingly, um, pray for things and they will happen. Ask and it will be received. Like invite God into your life and God will make things good. It just sounded obscene to me because I would think about a survivor I had met who I was sure had prayed for that act of violence and injustice to not happen to them. And it was obscene to say that they could have or should have done something different. Like, it was just wrong and against God. <laughs> and so I was just trying to figure out how can, all of these, how can all of these things be true at the same time? These are all real experiences I'm having with God. These are all real experiences I'm having with prayer. How do they, how do they go? <laughs> how do they go? And I think in this scripture, we see some of that complexity. And if you could bring up the first slide of the scripture. Um, one of the things that gives me comfort when I think about how can there be a good, a loving, a powerful God, and also a world in which the things happen to us that happen to us, is this fundamentally unanswered prayer of Jesus, right? That Jesus is headed towards suffering and institutional injustice, a country that will kill him, a friend that will hurt him, pain that will happen. And he asks for that cup to be taken away from him um, and that doesn't happen. And I don't think that doesn't happen because God had a secret super special plan, right? By which pain always turns into good and anything that happens to you turns out okay in the end. I think it's because we live in a world where we have freedom and where the forces of chaos are real. And so bad things happen. <laughs> Bad things happen because freedom and chaos are real. God doesn't make all of our decisions for us, and God hasn't made all of our decisions for us for every single generation. God has allowed us to be and to make and to mistake. That has led to truly awful things happening, right? And th that's just a reality of the world. And so the question becomes not how do I use God, how do I get God to help me to stop those things from happening, but in prayer, where is God when I know that those things are going to happen or when those things happen to me? And I think that's what Jesus finds, that Jesus kneels down and prays, um, and he does. He cares about God's will, right? He's sort of trying to do that balance that a lot of us are trying to do. I don't understand what's happening in the world, but please let this not be my fate. Um, and there's a reason those funny parentheses around those two sentences are there. It's because throughout history, a lot of people have been really, really uncomfortable with this sentence in the Bible and have decided that it doesn't belong there. And so they put parentheses around it because they don't want Jesus to have been so sad that he needed strength. They don't want Jesus to have been in such pain that sweat came from him. They think that that makes Jesus somehow less or Jesus somehow weaker or Jesus somehow not a savior. To me... <laughs> It's the whole enchilada of who Jesus is to us, that Jesus is a person who knows exactly what that's like when you pray for something with all of your heart, when it feels like something that should happen, and when still the mystery and no answer remains, right? When like death and hardship continue, that Jesus joins us in that. And we're never gonna come up with an answer <laughs> to why all these things happen, but I do think if we decide to abandon prayer as one of the things that we have in the midst of life, 
we're abandoning something really, really important and really, really helpful. If you can have a direct and intimate and communicating relationship with God, um, why give that up? There are times when what that's going to require is a kind of prayer that you've never been taught how to do, where it's not asking God for something, but maybe telling God about how mysterious you find the nature of the world. Maybe telling God about how angry you are at what you see. Maybe telling God about how sad the things are that, you, uh, that have come to you. But unless you're 100% sure that God doesn't exist, in which case, welcome to the family, but I'm surprised that you're here. <laughs> I think giving that up is giving up a huge part of what it means to be a human and what it means to have an experience of who God is. If prayer is hard because you fall asleep, right? You're one of the disciples who there's simply too much. Um, there are all kinds of ways to try new forms of prayer, creative prayer, where we visualize, written prayer. I brought, I wanted to show you, I often will pray with my Bible where I write stuff in the margins or with a journal where I write stuff down because I do get so distracted while I'm praying. It becomes easier if I'm writing something down. There's a book for many of you if you're artists, right? If, you, if it's harder for you to think in words and easier for you to think in shapes and colors, there's a book called Praying in Color about praying as you color and draw, right, to change your life. Um, prayer isn't a simple thing. There's not an answer to what it is or to the questions that we have about it, but I think it is an essential, essential gift. The last thing that I want to point out about this besides the sleeping and the pain and all of that stuff is that it says that when Jesus went to the Mount of Olives, it was a part of his regular practice. He didn't go just because it was a time of desperation. He went because that's what he did when he needed something, some time, when he needed to think, when he needed to clear his head, when he needed to figure out who he was and who his disciples were, when he needed to connect back with that God who loves and adores us. He would go to the Mount of Olives with friends if he needed or by himself if he needed and pray. And sometimes that prayer was talking, and sometimes that prayer was listening, and sometimes that prayer was doing. But he didn't give up on the idea that God loved him so dearly that direct communication with God was possible, even if that direct communication was uncomfortable or mad or weird or strange or confused or full of questions. He never gave up on the idea that that direct relationship with God was something that was available to him as it was to anyone else and something that God wanted for and from him. And that's what I hope for you. That's <laughs> what I hope for myself. That's what I hope for my family, that we don't give up on that either. That we keep seeking, keep making a prayer-filled relationship that is not easy, that is not simple, that doesn't have answers, but that we don't give up on it. Because God is there. Something is happening. Something is going on. And there's something to be found in the trying.